uh, we have the Bible reading section, so we're, we're heading into Advent, and uh, obviously you've noticed Christmas tree, Christmas carols, we've already gotten into it, we've got four weeks till Christmas is, is what Advent means, essentially. Um, and it, I like building up to Christmas, um, and so the next four weeks at church, that's what we're going to do. We're looking at initially the Old Testament for a couple of weeks, and then the New Testament, uh, and culminating, of course, in the birth of Jesus on Christmas night, Christmas Eve. Uh, who will read the Bible reading, though? Someone may say to you, let's ask the mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead. With their whisperings and mutterings, they will tell us what to do. But shouldn't people ask God for guidance? Should the, should the living seek guidance from the dead? Look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word, word are completely in the dark. They will go from one place to another weary and hungry, and because they are hungry, they will rage and curse their king and their God. They will look up to heaven and down at the earth, but wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown, um, they will be thrown out. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that that runs between Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. For the, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the arm of Midian. The the boots of the warrior and the uniform's blood stained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His his government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Well done, Annie. Good reading. So, when I was a teenager, and I, I think I've told this story a few years ago at church, but you probably forgot it. I'll just assume you've forgotten it. <laughs> I had a friend, um, and he went. He decided to go for a drive to get some drinks and just hang out with some other friends. Problem was, he was only 15. I just realised, same age as Matthew. So he obviously didn't have a driver's licence. He also didn't have a car. But these issues didn't appear to concern him too much. Uh, he simply borrowed his dad's car and took it for a spin and picked up some friends. I, I wasn't one of those friends, just 
to be clear. I heard about this story a few days afterwards. Um, you just know things are going to go badly, don't you, from here. This guy is digging himself into a hole. He's just not going to be able to get out of. Anyway, he swung by his friend's house, uh, his friend's houses, and then they went and picked up some alcohol. I don't know how they got a hold of the alcohol, but anyway, they did. And then they went and found a park somewhere, and they hung around and drank the alcohol. Time passed. It started to get pretty late or early in the morning, and they decided to call it a night and go home. So they piled back into the car. He got out the keys, and he started the car. What on earth was he thinking? He's just digging that hole deeper and deeper, isn't he? But he was a surprisingly surprisingly lucky driver. He got each one of the friends back home, and then he headed off home himself. Unfortunately, that's where his luck ran out. He was driving down to Ketterville Terrace, which is one of the main roads in Adelaide, when he lost control of the car and drove into the median strip and hit a tree. Fortunately, he wasn't hurt, but the car was very badly damaged. So he got out of the car, stood there dazed, wondering what he should do next. He'd got himself into this mess with no way out. So anyway, he stood there dazed, wondering what to do. And not having any idea what to do, he did the only thing he could think of. He walked home and went to bed, (laughs) hoping that everything would just turn out okay. He was in a mess. He had messed things up big time, hadn't he? All he could do was hope for the best at this stage. But can you feel the pain that he must have felt at this stage? The pain of making decisions, one after the other, that were clearly all very, very bad decisions. It's painful when we watch someone dig themselves into a hole, isn't it? So this afternoon, we're beginning our Advent series. And over the next four weeks, as I already said, we're thinking about the coming of Jesus. And so this passage we read earlier in the afternoon links in with the coming of Jesus even though it was written hundreds of years before Jesus. In fact, it was written 750 years before Jesus by Isaiah. And it tells the story of the ancient Israelites in a a poetic way of how they dug a hole for themselves that they couldn't get out of. But it also tells the story of how it would take God's intervention to get them out of the hole. So let's look at the passage again and think about the hole Israel dug for themselves. These are the words of Isaiah 8. Someone may say to you, let's ask mediums and spirits. With all their whisperings and mutterings, they'll tell us what to do. But shouldn't the people ask God for guidance? Should the living really seek guidance from the dead? Look to God for his instructions. People who contradict his word are are in the dark completely. They'll go from one place to another, weary and hungry, And because they're hungry, they'll rage and curse their king and their God. They'll look up to heaven, down to the earth, but wherever they look, there'll be trouble and anguish and despair. They'll be thrown out into darkness. So the nation of Israel was pretty unique in the the ancient world. Other nations in the ancient world were stumbling in darkness when it came to the idea of spirituality and meaning. Other nations looked around at the world, they searched for meaning, and they made up stories. Stories about gods and spirits. Gods like Ra there and Baal. 
They tried to understand the deeper meaning of life. They took hold of all sorts of false ideas to try to understand what was happening. But Israel was different. Israel had no excuse to create false beliefs because God had specifically revealed himself to them. God had told Israel who he was. He had told them his name, Yahweh. The people of Israel knew God's name. They could call him by his own name. He was a real, personal God, known by name and who knew them by name. And he loved them. Israel knew this because God himself had told them. He had revealed himself to them. But here's the thing. The people of Israel ignored this revelation from God. They ignored God and they forgot about him. And by forgetting God, they stumbled into darkness, which was a tragedy because God had promised to guide Israel so that they would become successful. He had promised that if they listened to him, they would flourish. But Israel had forgotten this. So they looked to mythical gods instead. They sought advice from mediums and spirits. And as they sought this guidance from these mythical gods, they made all sorts of bad decisions, very bad decisions, decisions that further and further separated them from God, decisions then that ultimately left them open to attack by foreign armies and to destruction. So Isaiah said these words that we read in 750 BC, a time when Israel had already split up into two countries, northern country of Israel, southern country of Judah. A few years later, then, in 722 BC, the Assyrian Empire invaded and destroyed that northern country of Israel. Then, in 587 BC, 150 years later, the Empire of Babylon invaded the southern country of Judah and destroyed it and actually dragged off all the people living there a thousand kilometres away to Babylon, resettling them. The people of Judah were invaded and dragged away into exile because they didn't follow God, they didn't follow his guidance. That was the hole that they had dug for themselves and that was the hole that Isaiah was talking about. There was no way they could get out of the hole that they had made for themselves. They were now living in exile, far away from their homeland, without any way to return to their land and their home. So what was true for Israel on a physical level is true on a deeper spiritual sense too for us. Our real home is with God. Our purpose is to be with God. That's why humans exist. You know, that's your greatest purpose in life. Each of us exists to be part of God's family. That's why we were created. And yet, like Israel, we have that tendency to ignore God rather than let him be our guide. When I look at my own life, there are innumerable times that I haven't looked to God. There have been countless times that I've looked in the opposite direction for guidance and I've been led astray, far away from God. And it's not just me like that. According to the Bible, that's true for every person. Every person, instead of looking to God as their guide and their source in life, turns away from God and walks in the opposite direction. And as we walk away from light, we end up in darkness. And when things are dark, all hope fades. There's no way to be found back out of that darkness. 
As Jesus said in Matthew in the New Testament, if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And then Paul, he wrote it in Romans too. People wouldn't worship God or even give him thanks. They began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark. They became confused. So God let them do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things. That's the reality of human life. In a spiritual sense, we all dig this hole of darkness that we can't get out of. We forget God, the God of love, the God of life. And so instead of seeing God's light, our lives end up in darkness, consumed by the shameful desires of our heart, and our lives become filled with vile and degrading things. That's just what we do as people. I've also told this story before at church, but it's a helpful one. When I was, I think, about two years old, my mum, dad and older brother and I went on a holiday in Western Australia. One afternoon we were walking along a path through some sand dunes near a beach in Kalbarri. My mum and dad were in front of me and my brother and I, in our little hats, were a few metres behind them. Now, I don't remember any of this, but I've told, been told the story a number of times by my mum, so I know it must be true. And if it's not, she's at fault. She said that she and Dad were walking along ahead, chatting, and then they turned around and saw we weren't there behind them. So my dad ran back along the path, turned a corner, and saw two hats in the sand. He realised pretty quickly that it was quicksand that we'd walked into, and so he ran to where the hats were, thrust his arms deep into the sand and pulled my brother and I out of the sand. There are some situations in our life that are impossible to get ourselves out of. There are times when we need someone else to reach in and pull us up, pull us out of that hole that we're in. On our own, in our own strength, escape's impossible. With someone else to pull us up out of the mess, things might just be okay. So after Israel and Judah had been invaded and destroyed, the Israelites were in that sort of mess. They'd been dragged off to a foreign land. They were a powerless people with no one, no hope to get out of that hole. They were powerless to restore their fortunes. They couldn't do it themselves. But here's the key. It didn't matter that they couldn't do it themselves. Although there was no hope that they could dig themselves out of their hole, they still had a hope, the hope that someone else could pull them out, that someone else could rescue them. That's the hope that Isaiah 9 speaks about. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will will not go on forever. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulder. You will break their oppressor's rod. God promised to reach in and pull the people of Israel out of their hole. That was what the people of Israel could hope for. God himself would get them out of slavery and oppression. 
They didn't have to do it on their own because God would do it. Now, he did that in part by bringing them back to Israel a few hundred years later, but he would do it in full by sending them the most remarkable and amazing king. For a child's born to us, a son is given. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. These, of course, are words about Jesus. Jesus, aren't they? Amazing, they were written 750 years before he was born. But it's about that future hope. It's about Jesus. So by the time that Jesus was born, Israel was back in Israel, but still under occupation by the Roman Empire. And it was under these circumstances that Jesus grew up and started speaking to the Israelite people about how he had come from God. About speaking about how he, and the people hearing these words thought he was going to be the one who fulfilled the words of Isaiah. He would be the one who was the king, who was going to restore them, who was going to give them back their dignity and their strength and their freedom. But here's the interesting thing. Although the people hoped for the nation of Israel to be restored, Jesus didn't restore the nation of Israel. He didn't lead a revolution. He didn't overthrow the foreign army. He did something quite different. He lived as a pacifist. He spoke about love. He spoke about mercy, about forgiveness. And while teaching all this, he claimed to be from God, to be God's son, in fact. And then he was executed, came to an end, seemingly. Jesus came as the king to restore the people of Israel, but he didn't restore the nation of Israel. He didn't restore them in the way they expected. So how could he be the one who they had hoped for? The coming of Jesus was about something much deeper than a political nation. He didn't come for superficial political reasons. Rather, he came to pull people properly out of their hole. Because the real problem with Israel was that not that they had been attacked and overthrown, but they had ignored God. That was their real problem. They had shunned God. They had turned away from him. And Jesus had come to return the people to God, to restore the bond they could have with God. But of course, he didn't just come for them 2,000 years ago. He came for us, didn't he? Here, today and now. He came to pull each one of us out of the hole we've dug for ourselves when we've ignored God. Each one of us has stumbled in darkness. Every person stumbles searching for meaning. Jesus came to bring light to that darkness, searching for meaning. He came to bring light so we could find meaning. Every person makes mistakes, bad mistakes. Mistakes that hurt each other. Jesus came to bring forgiveness so that we could move on from these mistakes. Every one of us has a tendency to push God away in our lives. The very God who gives us life, he can bring us back from the dead to receive eternal life. We all have a tendency to push him away out of our lives so that we don't know him, so that we don't know his peace. But Jesus came to fix that. He came to show us God, 
He came to restore us to God. He came to bring us life, eternal life. We can't live life fully on our own. You mentioned the ants and the vine before. We can't live like that ant. We can't find God or imagine what he's like on our own. We can't find meaning by using our own thought processes and logic. The only way we can find truth is if God reveals it to us. The only way we can be restored to God is if he does it for us. There's nothing we can do that pulls us out of the hole we've dug for ourselves in our lives. But that doesn't matter because God does it for us. He brings us restoration. He brings us peace. He brings us life. He brings us light in darkness. So over the next month, let's remember that light that dawned so that we would no longer be in darkness. Let's walk in that light. Let's rediscover anew the love, the joy, the peace that only Jesus can bring. That's something to hope for.